We have a new sponsor at It's That Episode. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio information and entertainment. Listen to audiobooks whenever you want and get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audiblepodcast.com backslash Craig Rowan. That's my name, C-R-A-I-G. R-O-W-I-N. Now let's bring the band in and start that theme song. Well, it's that episode, not that episode, not that episode. It's that episode. It's that episode with Craig Rowan. Welcome to It's That Episode with Craig Rowan, the podcast where I, Craig Rowan, invite a guest over to my apartment. We watch a TV show of their choice, and then we talk about another stuff. My guest today today is uh, the hilarious Arthur Meyer, from uh, a writer from Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, also from the sketch group Two Fun Men, and one of my favorite sketch groups ever, Pangea 3000. Thanks for having me in your apartment, Craig. Welcome, Arthur. How are you doing? Um, I'm doing pretty good today. I, uh, I went to Wall Street earlier. Okay. Yeah. Dan, what, Dan Klein and I, a couple years ago, made a video where we walked around Wall Street, and then today we just did part two of that video. Nice. I've seen yeah. the video. Wait, isn't it true, in the video, you guys dress up in suits and mm-hmm. sort of pretend to be doing business-like stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. We like walk around pretending to fire people. But is it true, am I wrong, that you did this before you ever filmed it? Um, yeah, yeah, we did. We, this is our third time today is our third time doing it. Our, only our second time actually shooting it. Right. The first time we just, we just did it. We just like walked around. This was like a year after I moved to New York. <laughs> I, you know, was working in a bookstore. Yes. I remember court. Yeah, yeah that's right. Bookstore. I used to see there in a, in a book court all the time. Yeah. I used to live in the neighborhood where you worked. Yes, that's right. That was fun. It was always great seeing you. It would usually be on a weekday morning, I remember. And actually, uh, which probably points to the fact that I didn't have a job at the time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but actually, that's connected to what we're going to be watching today mm-hmm. because I remember um, I knew you just a little bit and then I'd go into the bookstore a lot. Yep. So, And it sort of came out that you are a huge uh, Saturday Night Live fan. Yes. And I think one time you... We watched. You brought a VHS of Saturday Night Live over to my apartment, and we watched uh, it. And that was the Chris Farley, the one he hosted, the one he hosted, yeah. which was in the book, the Chris Farley Show. Is that they mm-hmm. talk sort of extensively about that show, and it's super depressing. Yeah, because it's uh, less than two months before he died. Less than two months before yeah. he died, and the opening sketch um, is about him having drug problems for more or less it's him like and in lauren's office being like is this a good idea for you to host yes yeah it's it's this weirdly like uh accurate depiction of probably what his life was like at that point yeah and in hindsight not funny at all like it's i mean that part specifically is just like very uncomfortable knowing that he died it is yeah i just watched that again a couple weeks ago because it it uh it jimmy fallon i i persuaded someone to get me this SNL server, which contains every single episode of SNL and every dress rehearsal from 1985 to the present. And um, I've just been watching those all day long and not doing work at all anymore. Wow, that's awesome. So so what did you choose today to watch? Today we're uh, going to be watching the September 28th, 1991 episode. That's another thing. I know all the dates of the episodes, too. Have, if I just I named a, a... I think I could probably tell you. I'm a little blurry on some, but, but go ahead. Give it a okay, shot. Okay, let me just go... Um, uh, uh, Charles Barkley. Charles Barkley, September 25th, 1993, musical guest Nirvana. Okay. He's hosted uh, two other times since then, but... Uh, what are the dates of those? Yeah. Those ones are... I'm, I actually don't really know after, like, 2006. Okay. Because I just stopped keeping track of them. But I know one of them was January of 2010. Okay. Yeah. What about... um? What... what I'm, I guess I'm just going early 90s, but the mm-hmm. one where Sinead O'Connor ripped up the picture of the Pope. Sure, that's uh, Tim Robbins. That's October 3rd, 1992. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's you, weird, too. Like Anyone listening can look this up, and it will be correct. Um, what about... Um, just name a couple dates that Steve Martin has hosted. Okay, let's see. Um, we can do September 24th, 1977 would be one. 
Uh, May 17th, 1980 is another. December 14th, 1991. (laughs) October 17th, 1987. So it's safe to say you are... More or less like a Saturday Night Live encyclopedia. Yes, in some, in some ways. Yes, I would. That's. Uh, I would say that's probably true. I used to think I should open up an SNL store where I, but I don't know like what the store would be like. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like I don't know like what I would buy or sell. But anyway, we'll, the thing we'll be watching is uh, is the Michael Jordan episode. Right. Michael Jordan hosted an episode with musical guest Public Enemy, and also special guests are. Uh, Reverend Jesse Jackson and uh, Spike Lee. Wow. And this is from 19, September 28th, 1991. And so why did you pick this out of every episode, uh, a, a, any TV show, and then any episode of SNL, why did you pick this one? This one I picked for a few reasons. One, it's just like, it's just packed with like great people in it. Like I like Public Enemy too, uh, but the cast, it's like my favorite cast mm-hmm. of SNL ever. Like in, in the cast, they have uh, Phil Hartman, Dana Carvey, Chris Farley, David Spade, Chris Rock, Tim Meadows, Mike Myers, Rob Schneider, um, Kevin Nealon, like all these really funny people in one cast. And it also is a great season of SNL. I think one of the best seasons this is the premiere episode of the 17th season of the show. And in my opinion, it's the funniest of all of them. It's oh, just wow. a lot of really good sketches and a few classics that probably most people I can name of. having not watched this <laughs> episode. I don't know if I ever watched it even when it aired. I mean, I, I feel like I watched, started watching the show a little bit later because mm-hmm. I was maybe, I don't know if I was too young or just wasn't really aware of it as much. But I can name, remember the Stuart, Stuart Smalley yep. with Michael Jordan. That's a big one. Uh, the uh, the De Bears, the uh, yeah. sports fans. Yep. Uh, um, and, and, oh, and you said before we got on the air, so I, this is cheating, but you said that this is the first one of... Uh, Schmitzke. Schmitzke, that's right. Which is a classic. It is, yeah. One um, of the all-time best commercials. Um, so I'm excited to watch this episode. Um, and is there any also, I mean, you're from the Chicago area. Mm-hmm. So is there any allegiance to Michael Jordan that, that yeah, factors in? You got me, Craig. Oh. <laughs> yeah, um, that is true. I grew up a Bulls fan. And uh-huh. I mean, this is the height of Michael Jordan's success. He's 28 years old here. Wow. Yeah. My age. Yeah. Which is very depressing. And <laughs> my age, too. Yeah. It, equally depressing. And he. Uh, he won his first championship just a few months earlier. So before the three-peat. Yeah, before the three-peat. Um, wait, did they do a four-peat or just a three-peat? And the, the, they had, missed a year and then they did two more? Yeah, they had he, he won three, then he was out for a season and a half, so they, two years they didn't have one, then they won three in a row again. Triple three-peats. Yeah, and it's amazing, too, because he's, uh, he's a great host, too. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm excited yeah. to see... Uh, I, yeah, I don't know. So when, uh, before we start watching... Mm-hmm. Um, were you an active watch? Like, when did you start watching the show? Uh, it was on my 11th birthday was when I started regularly watching it. So it was the May 13th, 1995 episode, David okay. Duchovny with Rod Stewart. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, I had watched a little bit before then, but that was one, that was the beginning of a very long, uh, I would definitely use the word obsession with, with SNL that lasted probably until, uh, like, you know, the end of college. And then one other, so you have these so this is the you brought a vhs of this tape we're not going to watch the hulu uh yeah. the netflix thing so how did you start recording ones that were you just in reruns you'd record all of them or? yeah well I, w- I would record all the uh live new episodes and then they used to actually rerun full episodes at two in the morning on nbc oh, like yeah. everyone knows about the comedy central reruns that and are, the e and the e reruns e. that are like an hour long but they cut a lot of stuff out but these would be the full episodes so i have like a few hundred tapes back at in my home and we'll met um this one i actually have in my apartment here in brooklyn just because i like it so much but there's three other episodes on this tape too. oh nice yeah. and how many times do you think you've watched this episode now? i've probably watched this episode I, I would if i had to guess i would say maybe 15 times okay yeah so that's like or at least i've watched sketches from it 15 times i'm sure um no, it's weird about this episode that mm. I was thinking of before we start watching. Yeah, what's that? Is that this was from 1991. The show Saturday Night Live started airing in 1975. Yes. So this show has been on longer after this episode than it was before Isn't this episode. Isn't that crazy? So this show has existed more since, after this, since this yeah. aired. 
So isn't that crazy? It is crazy. I, yeah, it's uh, this is like this was still relatively yeah. a new show, not a new show. I mean, it was yeah. on for like sixteen seasons or something, but like much more has happened since then. Yeah, it, it's strange because it doesn't really seem like it, but it's uh, it's it's absolutely true. Um, on that weird note, <laughs> uh, why don't we check out the episode? Let's do it. What do you say? Oh, well, yeah. but are the commercials still on the VHS? I think that it's probably commercials from whenever I taped it, which I think is probably like 2001, okay. but the commercials will still so be So they'll all be about September 11th. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Let, let, let's check it out. Michael is a basketball player. For a professional basketball team. Well, that's very good, Michael. You should be very proud of that. Well, thank you, Stuart. I am. Well, good for you. Good for you. Uh, Michael, I know there must be a lot of pressure for you to play very well. And I can imagine that a night before a game, you must lie awake thinking, I'm not good enough. Uh, Everybody's better than me. I'm not going to score any points. I have no business playing this game. Well, not really. Michael, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Well, I do sometimes get a little nervous before important basketball games. I thought so. And that's okay. You're not alone. Believe me, I know what it's like laying there awake, all those tapes rolling. I'm a fraud. Tomorrow I'm going to be exposed for what I am, a big imposter. I just want to curl up and lay in bed all day and eat Fig Newton. Before we get to what Arthur and I thought of the episode, a quick word from our sponsor. You are entitled to a free audiobook from our sponsor, Audible.com. If you want to listen to it, Audible has it with over 100,000 titles and virtually every genre. You'll find what you're looking for. In fact, I looked it up. Um, They have two Saturday Night Live books uh, that are notable. One, Live from New York, An Uncensored History of Saturday Night Live, which I have read uh, by Tom Shales and James Andrew Miller. And uh, it's a great book. Insiders look into the show. I read it freshman year of college, and then I lost it, and I bought it again used uh, later. But if I was smart, I would have just gotten the audiobook. I would never have lost it. Uh, And then there's another book, Gasping for Airtime, Two Years in the Trenches of Saturday Night Live by Jay Moore. That sounds intriguing. Um, So get a free audiobook and a 30-day trial today by signing up at www.audiblepodcast.com slash Craig Rowan. That's a backslash. All right, let's get back to it. All right, we just watched... uh, September 28th, 28th 1991, 1991 mm-hmm. episode of season Sa- premiere season premiere of Saturday Night Live. So yeah. uh, why don't you name off who was the, whose first episode was it? So the, in the cast, it was the first episode of Ellen Claghorn, mm-hmm. uh, Siobhan Fallon. I don't think Melanie Hutzel was in that one, right? She, that was her first. She wasn't in it. Was, was Siobhan Fallon in it? Yeah, she was. She she was in the uh, super fan sketchy. Oh, she waitress. gave them. Yeah, and she that was said, all what, she did. What drink. What do you want? Yeah, basically. yeah, that was basically it. Yeah. Um, Ellen Cleghorn made a lot of appearances. She was in. She was in a few sketches there, and then it was Kevin Nealon's first time ever doing Weekend Update. That's correct. Yeah. And were there any other historic moments in that? I'm trying to think. There was, I mean, it was the first full season of a couple key cast members, like uh, Rob Schneider's first full season, and uh, Adam Sandler, Tim Meadows. The uh, the start of the bad boys of SNL. Yeah, that's what they called <laughs> them. Yeah, they were called. The bad boys. Because they were, they like fart jokes, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess so. why they were the bad boys. But. <laughs> yeah. The um, bad boys of SNL. Yeah, it was uh, it was really cool to watch the episode. It was also weird. Um, just in the first sketch was the Wayne's World sketch. They were yeah. like, it's weird to see this. This is what twenty almost this twenty one years, years later. Yeah. Like how many of the references are people that are either have died or yeah. like Patrick Swayze, uh-huh. Elizabeth Taylor. Then it's like the musical guest was. Uh, Public Enemy and uh-huh. Flava Flav is like a totally different person. Like he had a TV show. He's a crack addict. Like yeah, you know, there's so much time has passed. So that there's also that weird element to it. Uh-huh. Um, 
But it was pretty awesome. I mean, most of the sketches were really killer sketches. Yeah, and even the ones that weren't, it was like like we watched that one barbecue sketch with Tim Meadows. It was pretty long and mm-hmm. not not very good. But they they had all these great like sets that they made. Yeah. Like it, it seems like that they put uh, a lot of work into that episode. They there were I, I don't know if it's. I think they must still do it sometimes, but in terms of sets, they were so elaborate with how many they had, and yes. like a ha- there were a handful of sketches, like another classic one that I didn't forgot about, but was in the episode was uh, the first black Harlem Globetrotter, yes, yeah. which was a funny sketch. Where, uh, how would you explain it? It's just that the team is really white and... Yeah, it's that Michael Jordan plays uh, Sweet River Baines who breaks the color barrier uh, for basketball. uh, Or, yeah, for the Globetrotters, at least. And until then, they're just white guys sort of doing fundamental basketball. Yeah. yeah. Um, But there are, like, four sets in it. There's, like, well, there's a ton of pre-taped stuff Uh where they're actually playing basketball. There's... Uh, the guy who owns the basketball team's office. There's uh, the locker room. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, bedroom. The bedroom, and then there's the radio announcers booth with yeah. Rob Schneider. I mean, that's like f- like five elements or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. And it all looks really good. And it looks great. Yeah. yeah, it's just crazy that they put. I mean, that they put. And it was like a long sketch too that they put so much production into it. Yeah. Um, impressive. Yeah, it was impressive. Yeah, and, a lot of those sketches were. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. There's just something about that whole episode that just flows, I think, flows really well. And, like, you know, there's never really a perfect episode of Saturday Night Live because they have to cram so much into one week. But that's about as close as I've seen to to one. Yeah, I think it was really, uh, yeah, it was really great. It's, I like, mean, well-paced. There's, a, you know, a lot of different types of sketches in it. And also, I mean, maybe it's because I'm so far removed from it, but there are, like, three, like, a lot of times SNL will do stuff where they bring characters back or bring mm-hmm. back segments, and I think there are three of them. There are Wayne's World. Uh-huh. Oh, no, there are four. Wayne's World, the super fans, uh-huh. uh... Uh, the Daily Affirmations mm-hmm. with Stuart Smalley and uh, what's called The Dark Side with Nat X. And actually, believe it or not, I didn't even really think about this, but I think the elevator one with Dana Carvey is kind of a... They they did that one other time with Sting. Oh, where he's in the elevator. Yeah. That was the last sketch, which was uh, Dana Carvey singing the national anthem yes. to him. Yeah, I, th- I vaguely remember. Yeah, so that's sort of like a recurring character. And too. the uh, Tales from the Barbecue, believe it or not. That was also... They did that, I think, one or two other times. So that means like... So I think most of the show, actually everything, except the first Black Harlem Globetrotter. Wow, really? Yeah. That's amazing. Well, what I was going to say is like, that's cr- that's crazy. But even though they were, and maybe it's because I haven't seen a lot of those segments a, lo- a long time, they mm-hmm. didn't feel stale. They were like still really like solid. They were really yeah. solid and funny throughout. Yeah. Um, which was awesome. They were the uh, super fan sketch and the daily affirmation sketch are, are two great sketches, I think. Yes. Um, the day, yeah, you were especially, um, I think, you you said that Stuart Smalley was one of your favorite um, segments. Yeah, it used to not be when I was a kid, but now like I look at it and it's just, it's just such a funny character. What what about it? I think just like, this guy who's like, you know, he's like this, uh, uh, you know, like psychology guy with all these different like problems himself and he's just so like sensitive and things can go bad for him like so quickly yeah or he can feel really good like really quickly but he's just so sensitive and everything so like soft and gentle and and beneath that is just this like deep well of like uh sadness and it's it's all communicated really well by al franken i think it's a mirror into our own lives i think so too, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. what it is um yeah but it was it's awesome really funny with uh yeah with uh michael Dr- it was like a good play on that character too because michael jordan's like obviously a superstar and that yes that played really well um i was thinking when we we're watching because also ge smith and the saturday night live band are mm-hmm. in this one yeah. of course what years were G.E. Smith? What do you remember when he started and finished being? Well, I, th- I don't know when he he started with the band. I think around the like around the late seventies, but they didn't actually say G.E. Smith and the Saturday Night Live band until I think maybe nineteen eighty six or something. But I don't know the exact. But I know that it went until nineteen ninety five, and then with the new cast with Will Ferrell, Sherry O'Terry. Daryl Hammond, Jim Brewer, they 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 just called him the Saturday Night Live band, and then 
a few years later, they started doing Lenny Pickett in the Saturday Night Live band. Really? And now I actually don't know what they do or even if they credit them at all. I'm Who is sure. Lenny Pickett, a guitar player? He's the saxophone guy. So he's you. you anyone who's, see, who's seen SNL will recognize him. He's the guy standing about 15 feet behind the host in the opening monologue. Who laughs? Yeah, he laughs. He laughs. He, yeah. He laughs. I actually went to see... An episode of SNL, I got a standby ticket my junior year of college. And uh, at the end of the show, you know, you go to 49th or 50th Street and they're all leaving the building and everyone's screaming for the cast members and stuff. And I, I would wait for the more obscure cast members or for the writers or for Lenny Pickett. Like Lenny Pickett came out of the door and I was like, Lenny, Lenny. <laughs> <laughs> and he seemed so surprised that someone was like, that knew his name. Would even recognize. Yeah. And I didn't even have anything to say. I was like, you're great. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, thank you. Thank you. Have a, have a good night. Yeah. yeah. Please don't do that again. Yeah. That's um yeah I went to I've only been to one episode and I I had a good experience watching SNL. Which one was it? I watched um who was the host? Taylor well maybe you can help me mm-hmm. figure it out. Taylor Swift was the musical guest mm-hmm. and the host I believe was um what's the guy who plays Doogie Howser? Oh, Neil Patrick Neil Harris. Neil Patrick Harris. I think that makes sense, right? Sure, yeah. That was, was that was recently. It was like three that, or four yeah, years. Yeah, that's part of the era that I don't know the dates for, but that's uh but that was, he was indeed the host. Well, now, he, he, you said after college you stopped paying attention and uh-huh. it seems that now the the your memory for SNL gets fuzzy. So what yep. it, what was the is there just that you finished college and you entered the workforce or is there a specific I think that's what it was. Yeah. I, I, I think I, I was 22. I had just graduated college. And I, at this point in my life, I would have my mom tape the episodes because uh-huh. <laughs> I didn't really have a VCR at school and send me them in the mail. That's really fun. And I thought, okay, well, I'm out of college now. I can't continue having my mom do this. Uh-huh. Like, I just can't. You know, I can't. And it kind of felt like the right time, you know, to slow down on on the uh, interest. Yeah, I, I still watch every episode now, but I, I don't. But you're not as um, religious about it. Yeah, exactly. Um, what? Wait. So she would VCR record everyone and send them to you in a package? Yeah. Yeah. Well, she would. What she would do is, you know, we have these six hour tapes, and you could fit four. It it fits perfectly. You could fit four one and a half our episodes mm-hmm. of SNL. So I would have her tape four and then send me one. And I would let her know when the reruns were on so she didn't have to tape the rerun, but she did have to tape the classic episode that they rerun at two in the morning. You know? She was, she's very nice about and all did that. You ha- wait, did, it, well, did you have a timer? Or she would have to stay up till... No, yeah, we, we had a timer. Okay, I was yeah. going to say, wow. If she had to stay up till two in the morning, that's, that's <laughs> a lot of your mom. <laughs> she would have hated me. <laughs> Every Saturday night. Yeah. No, I taught her how to, how to use the timer function. Did you... I feel like my guess is... Have you ever dressed up like a character from SNL for anything? I feel like... That's th- a good question. I actually don't think I have. I've always kept a distance and given the characters the respect that, <laughs> that, that I feel they deserve. Although I have always wanted to do... Uh, to be Wayne or Garth for Halloween. Yeah, just because like I, I always think that's funny when someone, especially nowadays, is Wayne or Garth. I feel like... I don't don't mean this to be a dig, but I yeah. feel like you could do a really good It's Pat. Oh, yeah. People have told me that before. <laughs> yeah. People have often said that I look like a cross between It's Pat and... You know, usually like Seth Rogen or something. Uh-huh. That's Jonah Hill. The classic crossover of It's Pat yeah. and Seth Rogen. <laughs> <laughs> You're the perfect mix of those two things. <laughs> um, also, a notable thing in this episode was the Reverend ja- Jesse Jackson coming in. Uh-huh. Uh, the setup was that, I guess, Dr. Seuss had died the week before. Yep. And uh, sort of in memoriam, they had jesse jackson just read an excerpt from green eggs and ham yeah it was pretty great which is i think not only a great idea but flawlessly executed yeah and it's so weird because i feel like nowadays when not just on snl but on tv shows when they have like a special guest or something mm-hmm. it's usually like a cro- like cross promotion of some sort or they they feel like they give the guests like some extra like something to it like they introduce them and they have like a banter or whatever like in this he straight up just does yeah the bit and just leaves yeah 
and it's amazing. And it's amazing. It's real. It's really such. I, I really would like to know who thought of that idea, because um, it's just such a funny, simple. That's what I like about SNL. Then too is that it was a lot of the sketches were very simple. Yes. They're very straightforward. They weren't too jokey like it, it sometimes is now, I think. Mm-hmm. Like it's it wasn't about like a setup punchline. It was about like, oh, this is kind of a funny situation or these are funny characters in a situation. Yes. And the comedy all seemed very grounded. And that that to me was such a funny simple idea. Yeah, I feel like the only one that's not quite like that is the dark side with Nat X, which feels more like stand up. Yes, but yeah. That's- yeah, Chris Rock. I mean, I guess because it's Chris Rock, and yeah, it's jokey. But it's interesting to see Chris Rock out of his element too. Like, just he definitely, you know, was not that great of a cast member. Like, and he was in that barbecue sketch and kind of gives an awkward performance yes. in that. It's so weird that his career. I mean, he was on SNL and then he afterwards blew. I guess that did that happen with Eddie Murphy too? Was his stand like delirious and raw? Was that before or during while he was on SNL? I think that was that was during. I think that was during the time, or maybe right after. I feel like because so many people yeah. come out of that show and become comedy superstars, yeah. like for acting, but then to do that and then become a stand-up superstar yeah. seems like it's very rare. A totally different ballpark. It's just it's feel like amazing yeah it's true yeah it's weird seeing him as a sketch comedian yeah totally yeah it's also interesting uh this episode was a good i guess i just forget because we were how old we were realizing that we we would have been set we would have been seven when this came out seven is how big that Wee herman news story must have been oh yeah because they reference it at least three times it's a weekend update nat x and uh, and Wayne's World. Wayne's World, yeah. It's I mean, because he jerked off in a porn. Yeah. And they must have been the talk of the entire summer. Yeah, yeah. Because by the time it got to SNL, Kevin Nealon's joke was, um, why Pee Wee Herman, and they just says, why beat a dead horse? Yeah, a huge applause. Huge applause. Raucous, raucous noise in the studio there. Isn't that so sad? Yeah, it is, yeah. It really is. Yeah. Like, nowadays, like, Pete, like every celebrity, like, jerks off in a porn Yeah, in I know. Place. I never thought that was really a, that bad of a thing. I'm like, that's... Seems like a isn't that all that people do in in theaters that show porno movies? <laughs> I, I'd assume so. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I doubt they're having business meetings in there. Yeah, it's not like they had the internet then, you know. Yeah, it's it's so strange. Like yeah. he wasn't like a pedophile or anything. He just, yeah, he just was masturbating in a theater that showed sexual movies. Where probably like twenty other guys were also were, yeah, also masturbating, but happened not to be Pee Wee Herman. Yeah, exactly. that was his big mistake. Really, was being Pee Wee Herman. Um, my other the other thing that surprised me in this episode was in the um, the Stuart Smalley sketch was mm-hmm. the uh, Stuart Smalley once is talking to Michael Jordan and he says um, Michael Jordan's like, no, I am really good at basketball or something like that, <laughs> and then Stuart Smalley goes. Michael, denial is not just a river in Egypt. Or oh something. yeah, and that got a huge laugh. And the kind of laughter that you hear when it's when something is said for the first time. Yeah. Like it, so we're sort of like wondering: is that the first time that that ever happened yeah. in the history of? Like, is that line? I think it might have been too, because I I know my mom watched that and seemed equally kind of. You know, shocked as the audience did of denial. It, it seems like a huge line, right? Yes. I mean, it definitely is a line that everyone knows now. But maybe that was... That could have been the first time it was ever said. Maybe Al Franken came up with that. Yes. Or maybe I'll look up on the internet later and it was always a saying. Yeah. Just, he just delivered it very well. Yeah, that would be weird, right? If if it wasn't thought of then and he just he just liked his delivery of it. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Um, is it weird for you now? Because you work in the same building as yeah. SNL. Is that a strange... Um, culmination of things for you it is i mean it's a ama- it's i love working in the building and then sometimes i'll just kind of like well i i sometimes go to the gym which is on there's a gym in the building and it's on the same floor as studio 8h so i'll just uh you know i'll go like kind of just peek my head in sometimes or just like walk down the halls and look at the walls that are lined with the signed photos of the various hosts and it's really cool and there's part of me that's like you know, because it was a show I always wanted to do, you know, 
and it's still the thought of doing it still is very exciting to me. But then also the, just the fact that I'm there and writing sketch comedy is is great too. Have you ever talked to Jimmy about SNL and all? A little bit. Not. I haven't. I don't think I've talked to him too much about it. I think I've heard him bring up a couple of stories from when he was on SNL. But and I think he know he knows that I know all the dates of the shows. But he and I have never talked in depth about it. I would love to hear. I, I'm so interested in hearing what anyone has to say, which is funny because it's not like, you know, it's just a TV show. Yeah. You know? <laughs> but yeah. but it, it was for some reason when I was a kid, I just really connected to it because I think my mind works in that way too. Like I, I can never really pay attention to something for too long. Like I just love, that's what I love about sketch comedy is you can do you know, 10 different sketches in a, a single show. And that, that sort of, I, I'm so interested. I have like a interest in lots of different things, but I never really follow up, you know, on it like <laughs> deeply. I just like, which I've even thought about the name sketch comedy. Uh-huh. Like sketch, a sketch is just a quick, a brief drawing. It's just a sketch of, you know, a quick interpretation of the world. I never thought about what the term sketch comedy even means. Yeah. But it's like, oh, may- maybe that's where it comes from. I don't know. Do you know where it comes um, from? I don't know, but I have thought about that some more. Thing what do you, that think? Should, do you yeah, think? Yeah, that's just like that's what a sort is? of, I feel like it must be. It's like yeah. a small representation of, like you said, it's like, I feel like just like a, almost like a slice of yeah. life or, so, or like just a, a quick little, I don't know. Yeah, it's in some way seems like negative, but it's not like it's you know. Yeah, like, it but, seems negative because there's not as much time or craft put into it as like a movie or something. But I also feel like that's totally appropriate. Yeah, like, that's why I, I think feel so like too. When uh, what's so nice about SNL and like late night and all of those shows is that when it comes down to it, and Pete, you can talk trash about any show, but like. It's just you can't you, like it's a sketch like should not be overthought like yes. you know what I mean yeah. like because the second it feels like like too much not like too much has brain power has overthought it it yeah. feels like wrong you know what I mean that's true I I that was the problem I had the first couple of years I was in New York I think I would try too hard to think of like a great sketch and then I thought I don't even think people really care that much about how funny your idea is i think they just want to see anything that's funny yes. so it's like it doesn't matter how you present that it's just if it's funny and in recent years i've been finding that i i think stupid things are funny and uh i think lies are funny lies are funny <laughs> lies like, to me like, what? like I, I would just post these things a, a while ago on facebook where i would say it would be like a celebrity's birthday, but I would always say happy, and then I would add eleven years to the birthday. Uh-huh. So it would be like, <laughs> it would be like you know, like happy like fifty ninth birthday to Julia Roberts or something. Really assuming she's forty eight, which she might be. To me, I mean, like there's no, there's no joke. There's nothing to get. It's just funny the idea that, <laughs> that they're eleven years older than they are. Well, that just made me think of um, lying is funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, you do this thing called the uh donald the donald p mcmahon donald project. p mcmahon project mm-hmm. which is great yeah oh thank you it, can i expose please what it yes is? yeah you do something where it's every you have a email list mm-hmm. of a bunch of different people that you've met through life i yes, guess yeah and everybody's on the email list and once a week somebody will uh, another person on the list will can pick the, their favorite album and then you will compile that, and and the person who's picked the album has a write up. Yes, and you'll send it out with some other information mm-hmm. too. And it's great because there are great albums come out of it. Um, but when I did it, I just wrote a complete lie. Like, oh, that I was wrote, so funny too. I mean, the album is one of my favorite albums, but I just made. I just thought it was funny because it was all all the information was a total lie. Yeah, it was written from the point of view. It was written from. I think it was an actual teacher you had. Right? I think I might have it? made the name up. Oh, you made the name up I too. Probably. I can't remember. I don't know. But it was, it was so funny. I remember the email. It was, it, it, the idea was that you had emailed your old high school, like so, maybe social studies teacher or something, who was very into rock and roll. who was very into rock and roll music, to ask him about the album that you chose, yeah. which was Odyssey and Oracle, Odyssey and by, Oracle the zombies. by the zombies. And so he wrote back in the first paragraph, and this is you writing the email, but it's like, a lot of people thought this was real too. 
Like they they assumed it was real, and uh, the guy says like, "Oh yeah, I remember that album." But then he goes on to describe how things just aren't going well in his life, <laughs> and like his marriage, I think, is falling apart. Yeah, and I try not to make it like too over the top. It wasn't. I mean, yeah, it was. It was the perfect amount <laughs> of like this might be real, and but it was like no jokes in it. It's just, it's like, just like sort of like a depressed guy's life. <laughs> like he's sort yeah. of like breaking up with yeah. his wife, and he, like he can't even really see his dog anymore or yeah. something like that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's got a lot of problems. Yeah, I don't yeah. know why. It's just fun. and I was like, I just like the idea of Lon. It's just a stupid. Why it's just funny? I don't know what it is. It's just like, <laughs> it's just wrong. But you know, like that's it, what it is. It's just this is wrong information. But there's something about that that's that's very funny to me. I like lying. Yeah, <laughs> or is that a lie? I guess we will. I guess we will never know. We'll never know. Yeah. Um. Uh, what was I going to say? Oh, for so uh, and what are uh, any favorite um, specific favorite parts of this episode of uh, SNL or favorite cast members from this season of SNL? This season has my all-time favorite cast member, which is Phil Hartman. Mm-hmm. This is like about the middle of his uh, eight years on SNL. Unbelievable, and he's great in it, right? I yeah, mean, he's, he's uh, amazing. Everything he's in, like in that, he's he has a part in the uh first black harlem globetrotter sketch and he just has the he just nails every line you know? so funny there's that yeah. run where he's just it doesn't get a ton of laughs in yeah the, in the studio where they're filming but where he's just calling michael jordan blackie, blackie like he's yeah. giving examples of what people might, the type of discrimination yeah. he might encounter and it's just people calling him blackie or saying oh i'm angry because blackie's blackie. yeah yeah pass me the ball blackie or i'm not gonna take the pass from blackie or yeah and he just keeps doing it and the audience like is i guess thinks it's funny but isn't like cracking up but i was like dying one yeah it's such a funny it's such a funny performance he really was the guy to me he's like the michael jordan of sketch comedy like he could do just about everything he could do. I'd say he's he's yeah. not quite the Michael Jordan because yeah. does Michael Jordan shows off a little bit when he plays? That, I feel like Bill Hartman's true. like the unsung hero. Not that people don't think he's great, but he's like the the journeyman who like can do no wrong. You that's know true. I mean? I mean, that's the thing I love about him is that he always seemed like he was serving the sketch, you know, yes. and, and never never really himself. Like he just cared more about the the quality of the comedy than like how well he was doing. Have you seen, uh, his, um, what's it called? His SNL audition. Oh yeah. It's, yeah, it's uh, the, I think it's the best SNL audition. It's ever. amazing. And he basically yeah. does a full sketch from that, uh, where he's the movie producer. Yeah. With John Lovitz. With John Lovitz. Yeah. For some reason, John Lovitz is there. Is for the there. Audition. I, I think they were friends right. and they used to do that sketch at the groundlings. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's unbelievable. And then they did that in his second episode ever on the show. That's another amazing thing. It's like most cast members, it takes them a while before they kind of seem like they're uh, acclimated to the show. Phil Hartman was great in his first episode. And I think it took him a little bit of warming up, but he was... He he was always consistently good and the kind of guy that writers like loved writing for. Yeah, and he's so he's like so good at voices. Like I feel like I associate him with period piece things all the time because yeah. he sort of feels like a nineteen like twenties or like thir- he feels like a radio guy. Yeah, he does. And that's yeah. not just because he was on whatever that show was. A called. news radio. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I wish I was able to remember the name as I was saying. <laughs> it has the word radio in it. But he was great in the episode. Dana Carvey was hilarious. Dana Carvey is so funny. He's so funny. I That end sketch, which I think I may have seen the Sting version, but it's <laughs> him catching Michael Jordan in an elevator and sort of yep. singing to him the national anthem because <laughs> he wants to sort of show off or like... yeah. Uh, impress Michael Jordan. Another really simple sketch. Another, and it totally made me think of his. Do you remember his stand-up special, Critics' Choice? I can't remember. Is that the one where he wears the Dockers? Or there's where one he where he does the Dockers commercial. Thing? Yeah, yeah, okay. He does like um, Naked Time. I think and, so. Yeah, it's been so long since I've seen. Yeah, that. it was like I guess they played it. I remember in sixth and seventh grade they must have played it on Comedy Central like constantly because because uh-huh. he does a lot of singing stuff on that too and. Uh, I remember that like word for word. I used to watch really? that like constantly. Yeah. yeah, he was. And I I guess I had a Dana Carvey phase too because I remember renting the movies Opportunity Knocks and <laughs> yeah. Clean Slate. Clean Slate, yeah. Which, have you seen those movies? I've never seen either of them. I can't they believe are, it. Um, 
I'm sure they're not. I mean, I liked them growing up. I don't yeah. know if they'd hold up, but yeah, nobody saw those movies. What was that other one that Dana Carvey did where it was like a little more recent, but maybe like 10 years ago? Master of Disguise. Yes, Master of Disguise. Also saw them in the theaters. Really? But that was um, some of my friends and I decided to do um, a full day of movies, uh-huh. Sneak, go and pay for one movie ticket and see as many as we could, and we made a schedule that would give us the least amount of time between each movie, <laughs> and the first movie was Master of Disguise. Really? <laughs> yeah. What would you remember any of the others? I remember all of them. It was Master of Disguise, uh-huh. K-19, The Widowmaker. I uh, don't know that at all. It was, uh, it was Harrison Ford as a Russian submarine lieutenant or something like that. Triple uh-huh. X. Triple X. Uh, with, uh, is that is Vin that Diesel? The action movie, I think it's Vin Diesel yeah. or somebody like that. Sounds like a Vin Diesel movie. Um, Road to Perdition. Okay. Um, most of these aren't good movies. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like totally forgettable, unremarkable movies. Uh, Road to Perdition, Minority Report. Uh-huh. Um, whichever Austin Powers was out then, I think maybe the third one. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Austin Powers, what's it called? Gold Member? Gold Member. Yeah. Uh, signs, signs, yeah, and yeah. This is probably two thousand three, maybe. Yeah, I think it was two thousand three. And the final movie was Blood Work, directed by Clint Eastwood and uh, with Clint Eastwood and Jeff Daniels. So you guys weren't. So what is that? Eight movies there or something yeah. like that. So you guys weren't concerned. You weren't thinking like, well, we have to do this on at a time when there are good movies. There out. were no good movies. I mean, that, those are bad ones. We like, saw basically every movie that was out. Awesome Powers Three is, in my opinion, one of the worst movies Whoa, I've ever seen. Really? Yeah, I, yeah. It's I remember seeing it and thinking, like, God, this is bad. <laughs> and Master of Disguise, I can't imagine is much better. Oh, Master of Disguise. K nineteen, however, sounds like a winner. K nineteen was really bad too. Yeah. I mean, K nineteen because the the Russian accents were really bad. Oh man, oh, God. Did Harrison Ford have a Russian accent? Yes. Oh, that's did. great. It's so bad. I've never heard him do an accent. Well, because he's not good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, wait. So, you think Goldmember is bad? Did you see um, the Love Guru? I haven't seen that. That's... See, I feel like I only I couldn't make yeah. it past the first like fifteen. Minutes. Yeah, that's got to be worse, right? I th- I assume so. Yeah. Uh, Mike Myers is in this episode of SNL. Yes, he's very good. He's great. Yeah. Classic. Um, Wayne's World. This was just such a good era. It was an interesting cast too, because I've I've heard someone in the cast talk about it. Maybe it was Adam Sandler or David Spade about how the cast was kind of divided in half. Like there were the older guys, like Kevin Nealon, Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman, and Mike Myers, who could kind of do everything. But then they had their sort of special teams cast, mm-hmm. which was like David Spade, Adam Sandler, uh, like Chris Rock, like the guys that you kind of put in to just do. Like their thing, they, right? Totally. Which you don't really get too much of in this episode. Yeah, I feel like Adam Sandler was barely. He in was this. hardly he, in the episode. He was in the. Uh, but I was watching uh, last night on TV was the Christmas special SNL Christmas. Oh yeah, thing. Uh-huh. and they did, uh, and they had the Hanukkah, Hanukkah song, song, and I was like, man, he was a superstar. Yeah. on that show. I the mean, funny thing is, I, I actually don't think he's. I, I always thought he was good on SNL. But he wasn't like a versatile cast member in the way that you think of Will Ferrell or Phil Hartman. Right. But he, he's so, I feel like he's just so charismatic yeah. and likable that it's like... Yeah, and he had a different approach, too. Like he, I feel like he kind of helped bring SNL back to being kind of fun again. Well, that's what I got from the... Uh, that Chris Farley book is unbelievable. It's a really good book. It's, I feel like anybody who's a fan of the show or interested in comedy should read it. But what I loved about the book mm-hmm. uh, was like... How I think either Adam Sandler said it or something, but how Chris Farley would just try to make Sandler laugh off camera. Like, yeah, that was his yeah. goal. Yeah, and like you see that in there's that sketch where he like they're doing the Japanese game show where he's mm-hmm. um, like Hoppy Serpy Niku. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, and he just sniffs like the marker, like he like sniffs, <laughs> yeah, like, he just a, a yeah marker like yeah. to get a and. I think in the book they were just saying like that was just for Adam Sandler like to make like totally not necessary in the sketch yeah like, not even referenced or like part of it. It's such a funny little thing though. Yeah, it's so funny. I feel like I could be wrong about this too, but I think that there used to be more little things that they would have in the episodes. Like you were even noticing in the first Black Harlem Globetrotter sketch, you see that Phil Hartman's character like is uh, sleeping with. Michael Jordan's sister right, in the sketch. Yes. And then in the next scene, they're back at 
Phil Hartman's office, and suddenly he has a picture of Ellen Cleghorn uh, on his desk. Right. Well, I feel like it's it's like very nuanced in that way. Yeah. Which yeah. I feel like must be so hard to do in a week's work. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like to create that. You know, like a show like Mr. Show that has like a million of those little things or like Arrested uh-huh. Development. Like, it, like even in, in this, it's such a, an amazing thing when they even have something like that. Yeah, it is. And also you were mentioning uh, Chris Farley before. He's hilarious in this episode. Yes. I mean, and he's one of my all-time favorites. He, Dana Carvey, and Phil Hartman are three of my favorites and he's so funny in everything he does. In well, the it's episode. so weird that you pointed out. There's a... So in the... In the um, Nat X, the dark side, yeah. it's basically just like a black power um, talk show. Yep. And Spike Lee oddly makes sort of an appearance yeah, sort weird of promoting cameo. Malcolm X, the movie. Yeah. Which is just sort of a little weird and he's yeah. weird in it. Or he's just normal in it. I guess it's it's weird uh, that he's just in it. And <laughs> But the weirdest part is that when... Uh, Chris Rock calls for like Sandman to cle- like to push the Latoya Jackson character <laughs> off. That it's Chris Farley playing Sandman, and they don't even show his face. You don't even all. see his face at all. It's yeah. like, w- yeah, I didn't. Had, I don't know how you even knew that it was him, but it, yeah. I guess because he's a big. I think because they did that sketch a few other times, and he would always do that. But sometimes you can see his face. So weird. Yeah, very weird. Right? Also, it's like if you have Spike Lee on this, this must have been after those Michael Jordan Spike Lee commercials. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's sort of surprising they didn't do a parody of that. That's funny. I didn't even uh, put that together, but yeah. Must be good friends. Yeah, they must be. This is also probably one of the uh blacker episodes of us. Yeah, totally. I was thinking that as well. There's yeah. a lot I mean, obviously Michael Jordan's black. Yes. But there there's yeah, the first black globe trotter, globe trotter mm-hmm. Ellen Cleghorn, uh, doing her character with like trying to hit on Michael Jordan. Yes, uh, called Zareda the NBC page, also a recurring sketch. Wow. Too. Yeah. Um, and then uh, they had a Tim Meadows sketch. They had a Chris Rock sketch. Public Enemy, Jesse Jackson, Spike Lee. Yeah. Uh, I think this is probably the blackest episode in the history. You of heard SNL. it here first. Yeah. This is. We straight up watched the blackest. <laughs> yeah. Two white guys just yeah. watched the blackest, the blackest episode, episode yeah. of SNL. It, it also, I think, was the most, uh, the greatest number of uh, black cast members that they've ever had. Really? I think so. I, I uh, Actually, no, I'm not entirely sure about that. But I know this was definitely the most they had had. Like, they hadn't had a black woman since 1986. So Ellen Cleghorn, this is her first episode. And uh, so they have three black cast members. Then... After that, yeah, then I think for a while they just had Tim Meadows in the cast. And then I think maybe they had Keenan Finesse and Maya Rudolph, who I think is half black. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, that's interesting too. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, and it's, uh, I feel like a lot of times the show gets sort of shit on for not having, like, giving black performers a lot. But in this episode, it's like, it's like, hey guys, stop! No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but it's um, no, but it's like it feels very natural. Like, it's yeah. not like uh, it, it just it makes sense in this episode. Yeah. Um, let's get racist. Yeah, let's do it, man. <laughs> you have a isn't there a part of your podcast where you do some racist? The talk? racist corner. Yes, that's right. Yes. The racist. So corner. you start. Yeah, you just say something. Super sure. Well, racist. I've never liked uh, any black people. <laughs> <laughs> That All right, and that's been the racist <laughs> corner with uh, Arthur with Meyer. Starring Arthur Meyer. Um, and now let's move on to the anti-Semitic um, portion, <laughs> um, which we are self-hating Jews. Yes. Um, so oh, one other, another thing. I this is different than the SNL thing, but we were talking about it before around the mic. Is that you were recently, and I think this is this is very cool. You were recently uh, a guest on. The Late Show with David Letterman. That's correct, yeah. Um, and I wanted to hear a little bit about that experience. Sure. If you could explain the reason and what the experience was like. Of course. Well, I was on the show because I was in a movie that was shot two years ago, which was produced, written, and directed by uh, uh, John Beckerman and Rob Burnett, the latter of whom is the CEO and president of Worldwide Pants, which is Letterman's production company. And he also was the head writer of The Late Show for four years and was a longtime producer of it. And uh, so he, you know, because he did this movie and he's still a producer at the show, he uh, got me a 
slot there to just be interviewed for like eight minutes by David Letterman. Did you when did you know that that was a possibility of happening? Like when you heard it? Actually, was... I I didn't. It, I found out. So I got hired to write for Jimmy Fallon back in uh, I remember March first of this year, mm-hmm. and I called Rob to tell him the news because I knew he'd be very happy for me, and he. He said, that's great. Well, I have some other news for you. You're going to be on Letterman. Wow. So I found out those two things in the same day. That's pretty unbelievable. Which was amazing, yeah. So, and that was... It was totally out of the blue. I, I was not expecting that to happen at all. Um, That's sort of a huge comedy day for you. It is. I mean, I was I loved Letterman since I was like eight years old. I periodically watch his show and uh, always liked it. And, uh, you know, he's like the legend right now. Yeah, he's yeah. legendary. I don't think I would have been nervous to to go on on Leno. Maybe just like a little bit, mm-hmm. but but not you know like with Letterman. Actually, it's funny because I was really nervous leading up to it, and then uh, I'm about to go on, and I'm just standing right backstage behind some like pillar or something, and uh, I just look at the set, like, and it's that like New York background, yeah. and it's all these. Stupid, like, cardboard things, you know? And I'm like, oh, yeah, that's right. TV is stupid. I forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> and suddenly I got less nervous. And I just walked out there and, like, you know, had a pretty good time. Yeah, it was great. I yeah. loved watching it. <laughs> yeah. I was watching just being like, this is unbelievable. Yeah, it was... It was You're talking to David Leonard. The most surreal thing I have ever done by um, far. And uh, did he talk to you after the... Or, like, after it ended where you're just like, all right. Bye. Yeah, Bye. I think I think we might they might have gone a commercial, and then maybe there was one more handshake, and he just said, uh, you know, great job, thank you. Yeah, and that was it. Because I've heard that he likes to not really talk to to people very much anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I I think he said in interviews. There's a, on the Alec Baldwin podcast. There's a good yeah, interview with him, I'll and he says that. that he doesn't really go. He doesn't want to make decisions anymore. He just shows up, does what the people tell him to do, and still does a very good show every night. I yeah, mean, he's. We were talking before about it that I, I still think he's he's great. He's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah I've been wa- I've watched him a lot recently, and he's so funny. I mean, yeah. just so naturally funny. Yeah. Although he wears very baggy suits. Yeah, he does wear baggy suits. Right? What is he hiding? I don't know. Mm-hmm. It's weird to see a skinny guy in a baggy suit like that. But. Yeah. It's sort of like a throwback to like, it feels like a yeah. you know, very old school, like you would have a um, like pocket watch or something. Yeah, yeah. What's that guy hiding? I don't know. He's got something, though. Um, and who were the other guests the night of your... Um, there was uh, The musical guest was Band of Horses, and then the other guest was Michael Strahan. Ooh. Who I... I didn't meet him, but I saw, I saw him in like the makeup room, and uh, he did not stop talking for five minutes straight. Like, we didn't... It wouldn't have even mattered if there was anyone there to listen to him. (laughs) He's just talking about, like, I don't even know what, but he's just, like, like he's clearly perfect for his job because as, like, a morning show host, all you need to do is just talk. Right. And he must have just been saying, like, yeah, so, you know, we were supposed to fly into Denver on Sunday, but our flight got redirected, so we had to get a layover in Phoenix. That flight landed in Denver a little late, so we had to get to the game. And I'm like, who is, like... (laughs) Anyone... Like it just sounds interesting because there are constant words. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like yeah. and said in like an exciting way. Yeah, but... just because the energy is there when he's talking doesn't mean that the things he says are interesting. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right, sure. And that's what those shows are. The morning shows yeah. are just like, oh, this isn't interesting. There's yeah. just constant talking. Yeah, it's just people who have had some coffee and, <laughs> and who can talk about stuff. Yeah. That's uh that's amazing. My favorite part I've I think I emailed it to you, but my favorite part of your Letterman interview was you said um got to love the ballpark. Oh yeah, I love the ballpark. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I think it was uh yeah, cuz we were talking about how I was a little league umpire and David or uh, yeah, David Letterman was saying that he had a bad experience with an ump who didn't like him. Yes. Um, and he's, yeah, I, I forgot what he said before that, but then, yeah, I think I just, yeah, I love the ballpark. I do. I love baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I was asking you before, but when you, um, obviously I know I worked with a researcher who worked on Letterman before, but they mm-hmm. must ask you a bunch of questions beforehand to yeah. like find some interesting things. So you must've picked that you were a little league umpire or something. Like yeah. That. I, I had that. I had like, because I was just so excited to do this and I, 
you know, know that there's a good chance that it will never happen again, that I, I am like, I'll come up with like 10 different things that have happened to me and present and just see what they want to talk about. And so it ended up being, well, the weird thing was the first thing David Letterman asked me in the interview was, because I think he kind of is good at winging it a little Mm -hmm. bit too. Like he just gets the notes right beforehand. And, uh, and so I, I think what happened was he said, um, now, uh, now, 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 where did you grow up? And I, I said, I grew up in uh, Wilmette, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. And he says, like, now, now, was Chicago the, uh, the 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 magnet for your culture there? And I'm just like, what does that mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> like wh- I don't know what that means, but he's so good at making it seem like that. That's like something. And so I was like, yeah, I, w- I grew up in Chicago. I was obsessed with comedy, and I was trying to think which stories he trying to get me to tell. Right, right. And right. I panicked when she could see. I I noticed it in my eyes. You could see like a brief, like split second of panic, and then I'm like, I'll just go with the umpiring thing. So I very awkwardly transition into. Oh, I, I was a I was a little league umpire, and he goes, Oh, oh okay, yeah, yeah. And then <laughs> we just ended up talking about that for the rest of the time, which is what they told me would happen. They said like we you have like three stories here that we've decided on, but he'll probably. You know, there will probably be a tangent and just, just, you know, go with that. What were the other two that you were hoping? I think or the, the other two, there was one story about how I, um, when I was in sixth grade, I, I was taking science class and we, we were on a chemistry, uh, thing. And, uh, yeah, have you ever heard the song? It's the periodic table of elements song by Tom Lehrer. No. Tom Lehrer is like a, like comedy, comedy parody song, song yeah. guy from like the fifties. And he has this one song where he lists off all of the elements to the tune of Gilbert and Sullivan's modern major general. Uh-huh. So I won't say, I won't sing the whole thing, but it basically goes like there's antimony, arsenic, aluminum, selenium and hydrogen and oxygen and nitrogen and uranium and nickel, neodymium, neptunium, germanium and iron and recium, ruthenium, uranium. Like, and it just goes on and list all of them. The reason I still have that memorized is because I memorized that to try to impress my grandfather who lived in Washington, DC and he was an intellectual guy who could only be pleased by children if they showed that they were smart or if they brought him food. <laughs> and so like, like other than that, he found children to be just like frivolous and stupid and ill suited for adult conversation. So I thought what I'll do is like memorize the song, fly out there for spring break. And the first night I'm there, I'll like sit down and sing the song to him and he'll be impressed. So I did that. I memorized the song, which took a really long time. Yeah. <laughs> it was constant rewinding and pausing and hitting play and writing down the, you know, the elements. And I memorized the whole thing, flew out there. The first night I was there, I sat down with my grandparents. I was like, I'm going to sing you this song. And I did it, and I nailed it. I got everything right. There's sulfur, californium, and fermium, and bacillium, and iron, and recium, you know, like, just like the whole thing. And I looked at my grandparents, and my grandma is like, she's like, oh, Artie, I'm so proud of you. That's so wonderful. And then I looked at my grandpa, and he just stared at me, and he's like, I'm going to ask you to never do that again. No. (laughs) No, he did not. That's exactly what he said. Oh my god! Yeah, which which was not surprising because he again he didn't like kids, but I was like I thought if anything will like appease him, it will be this. But he didn't. He doesn't want to hear like a kid like bouncing around the living rooms like singing loudly and like, <laughs> like you know probably acting gay. I'm sure he wasn't crazy. <laughs> about, you know, <laughs> that's amazing. You must have been crushed. Yeah, I was. I was crushed. So that was an, that was one of the other stories that's- I was going to tell. Well, I'm glad you saved it for this podcast. Yeah, this is it's great to have been able to tell it to probably about as many people as watch Letterman, right? <laughs> Actually, Dan and Klein and I were talking about this today. Do you have any idea how to gauge how many people listen to a podcast, or do, do people just not know that? I know how many people listen to this podcast. How, how, do, you, I, how do you know that? Because I have... Oh, because you... I, 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 I put it up on a... And people subscribe. ...website, and when they... Da- it's like YouTube, like when you download... Oh, okay. Like, I get the numbers, but it's not like YouTube where everybody sees the numbers. Oh, okay. But I'll say this, it's near 1.2 million. Really? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> It's going to be like, that's incredible. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. How are you not rich off of this yeah, podcast? Yeah, yeah. I mean, this is a nice apartment, but, you know. Thank you. Thank yeah. you very much. I'm always impressed by um, 
whenever someone's like, oh, yeah, my, my like, YouTube video only has, like, 2,000 views or something. And I always think, like, that's 2,000 human lives, you know? Yeah. That's all, the, all these different people. Like, if you saw 2,000 people anywhere, you'd be overwhelmed. Yeah, totally. The number totally. of people. I mean, do you feel that way now that you're writing on Fallon and that you, I mean, you and John Haskell sort of have appeared multiple times as your sketch group like yeah that that must feel pretty cool that you're like it feels really cool but the thing i i i never quite understand just how many people watch the show mm-hmm. first of all because i actually don't even know like i i think it might be like two million but mm-hmm. i don't know but there would be no way to possibly grasp that size of right. anything so that so what i do is i just like i just treat it like it's a live comedy show which is my favorite kind of comedy sure. anyway like I've always been a bigger fan of stuff in front of an audience as opposed to video stuff. I, I can always appreciate video stuff and I've done some of it myself, but like, uh, I, there's just something I love about, I mean, to me, that's like more of the nature of comedy is like performing in front of people, making them laugh. You know, it's all happening right it's there. It's more immediate. It's more immediate. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I know whenever, I mean, I always get more nervous for, being on Fallon than I did at UCB right. just because there's cameras and stuff and like, you know, this really is, it's not live, but it essentially is. Right. You can mess it up and they could redo it, but the audience isn't going to laugh that second sure. time. Sure. Um, so yeah. But it might, I mean, there might be a kid in Wilmette, Illinois mm-hmm. having his mom tape episodes of you. That's true. Yeah. Night. I mean, that's the other thing. That's the other thing that I love thinking about is imagining like when I was in high school and junior high, I, I, I really want, like I looked up to like the Conan and SNL writers and right. I'm like, I want to know who wrote what, but I knew all the names of all the people on there, right. you know? And I, I think for me, a lot of, uh, doing comedy is just wanting to hopefully influence people who want to do comedy, you know? Yeah. Cause other than that, no one really takes comedy seriously. And wh- you know, why should they? I mean, it's comedy, but no, no one like thinks about comedy in uh, such great detail as they do art or movies because it's comedy, you know, yeah. it's like you, you're kind of not supposed to, I, I don't think yeah. um, I, I do because I love it, but I don't think anyone else really does. I, I love a good, uh, like writer, a good comedian, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I just, that, that's the other thing. Like for me, the SNL cast members and writers, were like the same as what baseball cards were to me before I learned about comedy really right. was it's just like oh yeah this guy can do this stuff or this guy has done this and he's been on the show for that long and um it, it that's so, it's so interesting and maybe somebody's collecting a card of you now <laughs> <laughs> I just want I would to- love to do that I've wanted to have trading cards of my friends or That'd actually be really funny actually you guys yeah. did like Pangea did a sketch that could be turned like when your last show, what was it called? The, um, the one where you, count. Oh, 12 years of hard work. Yes. Yeah. Which is such a great show, but you're like sort of deciding who gets, gets what laugh. Like, you're oh sort yeah. Of fighting over like that laugh is mine. Yeah. 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 Like if you had a baseball card and it's like Arthur Meyer, like 33, 33 laughs. laughs yeah. Like, or like the average of laughs. Yeah. Versus, that's so, I always think it's so funny how laughter is like as a comedian, you just want to keep making audiences laugh. Like it's not, there's not like a goal that you set out to hit. Yeah. Like I always thought it'd be funny if like, first of all, the UCB theater had a sign out front that was like over, you know, 1 million laughs or something like that, which would be so stupid. And it's like you go into a show like, ah, I'm just hoping to get like 10 to 15 10 to 15 laughs. laughs yeah. Like that's all I need. Oh man. Did you hear about, Ask how last week, you know, there was a scene with AdSense and Lutz. They got fucking 25 laughs. 25 laughs in three minutes. Three minutes. One of the laughs was eight seconds long. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I wish you could like measure that stuff. That'd be such a boring thing. It'd be so boring. That'd be the worst. It would take all the fun. Yeah. Out of the laughs. The other thing I've, I really wanted to do is, uh, it's similar to friend trading cards is friend guess who where you Mm -hmm. have guess who but with photos of your friends that's a good idea it's not bad right so it guess who is you have all the everybody has two pictures uh you have the same pictures as the person across from you yeah and you try to guess which one 
The, but would you be if you had it with friends? Would it be only based on their faces or their personalities? As well? I mean, I I like to always play the personalities way, where you say like, is your person, you know, a closeted homosexual? Is, <laughs> is your person a college professor? Right. Is your person a Democrat? Uh, you know, I think you could do it either way. It would probably it would probably work well. Imagine if you did that with your friends, and you're like, is he a closeted homosexual? And <laughs> yeah. the person you were playing with came out because they were called out. <laughs> yeah. During that game, and that'd be like, the best way to come out. That would be yeah. <laughs> the the strangest game of Guess Who. Ever. Yeah, how did it's you, like? How yeah. did he come out? Well, we're playing Guess Who. Yeah, yeah. just sort of came just out. Kind of happened. Yeah, it just sort of came out. <laughs> <laughs> it just sort of came out. Um. Well, thanks so much, Arthur. Thank before, you, Craig. Before we go, I I feel like I should ask: Is there any other SNL trivia that a fan or even a super fan might not know that you know either about this season or something Ooh, that you love? That's a really good question. Um, hmm, I'm trying to think of something. It, Put you on the spot a little bit. I mean, is there any question that you have something that you've wanted to know about it? Because I'm I'm trying to I'm sifting through all the years and trying to think of what. Uh, I mean, one thing I've learned a lot from watching the dress rehearsal, was I saying, was this on mic before or off mic that I have, I think I was saying on mic that I have dress rehearsal sketches on my, like all the episodes of dress rehearsal from 1985 to the present Yes, on our my computer at work. So it's been really interesting seeing which sketches get cut and also which sketches come back week after week before they're you know, before they finally either make it to air or never do. Right. And sometimes which sketches have, uh, like a different cast member right. playing a certain role or a different host playing a certain role. There was this one sketch that Will Ferrell ended up doing where he plays a barologist. Uh-huh. I don't know if you've ever seen that one, but it was in the 2000, 2000, 2001, 2002 season. And I think over the course of the season, they did the sketch at least four times. In dress rehearsal. Yeah, in dress With, rehearsal. And did it change over the course or was the sketch... Like, the the sketch was just basically about the same. And every time it went over, I would say, very well. Wow. And I don't know why they didn't do it until they finally did it in Will Ferrell's last episode as a cast member. I think maybe just because he maybe probably liked that sketch. Yeah, he probably loved it enough yeah. to keep trying to put it up. Weirdly enough, though, he he played the main role in the sketch, but before they had, like, Billy Bob Thornton playing that part, and Will Ferrell wasn't even in it. Oh, weird. Interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah, so they have that with a lot of different sketches on the on the show. Like, you get to kind of learn about, you know, which cast member probably was bummed that they got a big thing cut that right. night. Or it, it, it gives me... It's something new that... It gives you a deeper layer. It's a whole different perspective on the show. That reminds yeah. me of a, a book that my brother has that I used to read on the toilet a lot, uh-huh. um, which is, to me, reading on the toilet is very important. It is. And uh, it was all the Beatles... I forget the name of the book, but it's all the recording sessions from 1963 to 1970, and it describes everything that they recorded. Seriously? In every day, yeah, in every day. I have to get that and book. It, and it's not just technical like yeah. it has a lot of technical stuff uh-huh. like who is recording it and uh the engineers and all that but it has interviews it's the guy who who did the um beatles anthology on abc in 1997 yeah, or 96 yeah. um he wrote this book and it has interviews and all stuff within the days like it has a lot of amazing information oh, wow that so it gives you amazing. like a deeper layer of uh of information i love that stuff it's so interesting and it also just it kind of means nothing. It's you know? interesting, mind-numbing, and worthless. Yes, exactly. And um, on that note, <laughs> <laughs> as are we. Um, <laughs> yes. Thanks so much, Arthur. I really appreciate thanks, it. Thanks, Craig. This was really very fun. Thanks. I'll see you in hell. Great. Great.